hello and welcome to our podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Please head to our website for more information on what is happening at Ashburton New Life or to get in touch. One of our team would love to talk to you. Here's today's message. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Tanakato, Tanakato, Tanakato. No mai, harimai. Welcome to church this Waitangi weekend. Ko Sharon Bailey, toku ingwa. I'm Sharon Bailey, and it's great to be with you. The only problem when you start to get old is that your eyes don't work the same way. So when I have these on, I can't see you. And I can see my paper, but when I have them off, I can see you, but I can't see this. So we'll be doing this all day, don't worry about that. <laughs> now Ruby asked us two weeks ago, <coughs> what are you expecting from church today? And to be honest, I'd come to church that day expecting to be on door duty and at the info desk. And that's all. I hadn't thought about my expectations about meeting with God. Now, how sad is that? Sorry, is this too close to my... Push it in this way. Is that better? Right. Okay. So since Ruby's challenge, while I've been um, preparing this, I've been asking God, help me hear your voice and help me to come to church with expectation and excitement because that's what we need. You know... It's not up to the band, it's not up to the preacher, it's up to us as a whole congregation. And um, we've got to come with excitement and expectation. And so this week I did, and already I can sense Holy Spirit is present. And so I'm going to repeat Ruby's exhortation. What is your level of expectation today? If it's low, don't worry. God can use an unprepared heart. He can fill an empty heart. This is what Pastor Carl was talking about earlier. He can revive a dry spiritual well. He can mend a broken heart. He is in the business of bringing life to the weary and putting a new song into the hearts of those who are spiritually dry. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, may your word in my mouth be a two-edged sword today, cutting away doubt and apathy, fear and skepticism. May we hunger and thirst for encounters with you, Holy Spirit. Break loose in our midst today and empower us for your kingdom's sake. Amen. Have you encountered the Holy Spirit? It's an interesting question. Many of us have in a lot of different situations and different ways. But sometimes life can get so busy or so hard that we seem to leak. And then we wonder, where's all that joy gone? Where's all my faith? And when I was in my 30s, we attended a traditional Anglican church in South Africa, and for those who know about traditional churches, they can be pretty similar in a lot of ways. Um, in our Anglican church, we sang old hymns, we read from a common prayer book, we said a lot of pre-written confessions and things in unison, and it wasn't bad, it was just very bound up in tradition. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Some of you have been there. But we also had an exciting time because our pastor, or priest as they called them, were spirit-filled. <laughs> they brought that to church with them. Whew. The church started running Nicky Gumbel's Alpha courses, and we did them the whole nine yards, um, by the book, including eating a meal together, going away for the Holy Spirit weekend. And David and I joined a small Alpha group, and God's Spirit came in and it touched our people in such a profound way that no one left that course unchanged. And each of us who had been on the course then went on to help to lead or to um, be a helper in another group. And oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit's presence just changed us and it changed our people, changed our church. And the people were saying, 
this is not Anglican anymore. I'm not coming to this church. And we were like, yes, it is Anglican, but it's not that it's lost its tradition. It's lost its chains. And its people encountered the miraculous and the life-giving Ruach HaKodesh. That's the Spirit of God. And so that's what we want in our churches, isn't it? That's what God wants. And when we got used to, we, Dave and I used to wake up and have butterflies in our stomachs before church on a Sunday morning. It was like, what's God going to do today? And I said to David, I've lost that. It's not our church. That's me. I need to reclaim that expectation that when I get here, God is going to do something amazing. But it starts with our expectation. And so, you know, God is tender and is loving and is gentle. And he wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. <clears throat> because he is three in one, his Father, Son, and Spirit. You see, he is God the Father, or Yahweh, the creator of all that is seen and unseen. But he's also the Son, Yeshua, or Jesus. He's the risen Savior who knows what it's like to be fully human and to suffer like we do. And he suffered a lot worse than most of us ever do. He's the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, the breath of life, the wind of God, counselor, comforter, advocate. So today, Pastor Carl asked me to kick off a new series about the Holy Spirit, and the series is called Take a Walk. And so the walk we're taking today is called Leaving the Valley. So one morning here in church, about six years ago, a beautiful lady that many of you remember well, Viv Pierce, said to me, don't you just love the story of Ezekiel and the Valley of Dry Bones? It's such a stirring and positive story. And I kind of smiled and went, um, I have to admit I haven't really paid the story much attention. I thought it was a bit weird. <laughs> and since she said that, though, I have made a point of paying it a lot of attention. And when I was praying about today, that's where God took me. And I was like, really? Okay. So about 2,500 years ago, the people of Israel had abandoned God. They had ignored the prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel, that, who were warning them that they should change their ways. And so they ended up as a defeated nation, captured, exiled to become foreigners in Babylon. And they were living as servants in this foreign nation. It couldn't really get much worse than that, servants and slaves. They had abandoned God, <clears throat> but now they felt abandoned by God, like a pile of spiritually dead dry bones. But isn't that the human condition today as well? Even as Christians who know God, there are times when we can be guilty of running away. We can be guilty of ignoring God when we don't like what he says. We make big decisions without praying first. We rebel. We do our own things. And then we blame him for our problems and ask him why he abandoned us. Like, look what's happened, God. Don't you know? Actually, we need to think about that. Now, Ezekiel was an incredibly obedient prophet, and he spent 22 years calling the people back to God, doing whatever God told him. And amongst those things were some pretty weird actions, but you can go and research that if you're interested. After 37 chapters of gloom and doom, God finally gave Ezekiel a glimpse of hope for the people of Israel. And here's what happens. God takes Ezekiel through an incredible, supernatural, surrealistic experience. Maybe it was like when you put on those Oculus gaming headsets and you feel like you've gone into another world or sometimes at the 3D cinema. And um, so Ezekiel ends up being in a place 
we don't know if it's physical or real or emotional or spiritual, but that's where he went. So come with me wearing your oculus and imagine that suddenly the ground is scorching hot. The sun is beating down on you. There are no trees, no wind, no life, and dry white bones as far as your eye can see. Human bones just lying there. <clears throat> You're in the valley of dry bones. So let's linger here for a moment and hear the sounds. There probably are none. Smell the smells. Probably just the smell of drought. And then let's read from Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. He set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor in the valley of bones that was very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know that. Excuse me, my throat has got so dry just thinking about that. <laughs> and then God says to him, can these bones live? And he says, well, you alone know. And the reason he says that is because in the natural, can it live? That is so dry. It is so dead. If we look at these bones, these are all animal bones. I refrained from human bones. I thought that <laughs> might have been in bad taste. So we've got a bunch of bones here. That's my phone ringing. I'm sure I know my, my ring. And here we have, I think this must have been a pig. Wonderful. But can these bones live? They can't, because they're so dry, they're so dead. There's no f tendons, no um, meat, there's no blood. There's nothing to make them alive. But God. You know? But God, that's our miracle. Um, so if you're feeling metaphorically like that, if you're feeling dry inside, God has the remedy. He has hope. Now, Ezekiel continues. We're going to go from verse 4. He writes, Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Now prophesy meant that Ezekiel had to pass on a message from God to the bones. That's prophesy. And as he does, they begin to assemble. And he said, as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. They're still just dead bones. Even with the flesh attached, they're dead, because something's missing. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds, and breathe into those that are slain, that they may live. And in Hebrew, that word, ruach, means vital breath. And it means wind, it means air, it means all that animates the physical world. Ruach also means spirit. And in scripture, the Holy Spirit is the breath of life. And the Greek word for, for ruach is pneuma, which you probably know from things like pneumonia and pneumatic. 
So Ruach is the wind in Genesis that parted the waters and created dry land in the beginning of time. Remember, God breathed on the waters. It's the very breath that God breathed into humans at creation. And it was the spirit that parted the seas and allowed the people to escape from slavery to Egypt. In that same spirit that came on Jesus at his baptism in the image of a dove. And it's this spirit that empowered the early church in Acts. So this Ruach is active throughout all our sacred stories in the Bible. And we read from verse 10. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. And they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Now at this point, modern um, people would probably be thinking of a zombie movie. Okay. But if it seems implausible, that's because it is only a vision. Okay. He's not telling you this happened. This is a vision. And the visualization is vital for humans to see and to imagine into the future. You know, Muhammad Ali the boxer said, if my mind can conceive it and my heart can believe it, then I can achieve it. And so Ezekiel sees the vision and then God speaks again. And then he said to me in verse 11, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. But you know, we could also say these bones are the people of Ashburton. Or these bones are the people of New Zealand or the world. And he says, they say our bones are dried up and hope is gone and we're cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Prophesy, speaking God's word. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Israel is the land of the living in spirit, in, in the Christian teaching. And then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. So again, we're not talking zombies, we're talking spiritual life. And how's he going to do that? He says in the next verse, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in the, your own land. And then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. <clears throat> it's God who will empower them through his grace and mercy to repent. God will empower the people to turn back to him and he's going to bring them back to life spiritually. It's always him. So now what we're going to do is go to Acts 2 and see how this ties up with the New Testament. So we're going to fast forward 600 years and look at the Holy Spirit who, when he came at Pentecost. Okay, so our same Ruach HaKodesh. And the Pentecost festival was a time when Jews from all around the world would come to Jerusalem. A lot of those Jews couldn't speak their own language anymore because of the diaspora. They had been spread around so far. But they came to Jerusalem to celebrate the harvest. And at that time, they also would celebrate the law being given to Moses on Mount Sinai. Now, if you remember that, the event had been one of flashing lights and rushing wind again, and trembling earth, trumpet blasts. So we're seeing God in action. And now in Acts, Jesus had told his followers to gather in the upper room in Jerusalem and to wait there at Pentecost. So there were 120 of them waiting, and they were feeling very low at this point because Jesus had died and life was pretty, pretty lame. And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. In verse 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. <clears throat> Do we see parallels here of the noise, the mighty rushing wind, the tongues of fire, the rumblings of thunder? And all as the Spirit of God manifested himself in the giving of the law to Moses, the symbolic raising of the bones, 
and now at, the, at Pentecost. You've definitely seen the links. In Acts 2, verse 5, we read, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Not some nations, every nation. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. And they said, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And they were amazed and perplexed, and they asked one another, What does this mean? However, some of them, some people made fun of them and said, Oh, they've had too much wine. (coughs) Excuse me. But Peter stood up with the eleven and he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. And he said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. That's us. We can see the visions. We can see the dreams too. On, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 21. <clears throat> now, this was Peter's first sermon, but from it, 3,000 people were saved that day. That's every evangelist's dream, isn't it? And so you see this in the work of the Holy Spirit. It started then, but people, it hasn't ended. It's still a part of what he's trying to do and wants to do in all our churches. And that's what happened in our church back in South Africa in those days. And that's what God uses. That's the power he uses to fill our empty seats. It's the Holy Spirit. And it means that God's Ruach is given for all people always to empower us to serve him better. So he's here to lift us up and comfort us when life's too hard, to advocate for us when the devil is tempting us to do wrong, and he is our gift from God to keep us close to him at all times. So up until the coming of God's Spirit at Pentecost, Israel continued to be like dead men walking in the Valley of Dry Bones. But when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, that Valley of Dry Bones began to stir, and it was given life through the breath of God, the Holy Spirit. So, how do we access the Holy Spirit today? Well, in Acts 8.18, there was a sorcerer called Simon, and he tried to buy the Holy Spirit, but he didn't come off very well for that. So, it's not a good plan. In Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, Be sorry for your sins, turn from them, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins will be forgiven, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not complicated, is it? It's about... Belief, repentance, and and being baptized. So in scripture, our body is referred to as the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we need to keep it pure and holy for him to dwell in, and not to defile it deliberately with practices that we know are wrong. So, you know, when um, Pastor Jacinda Goodsir was here and she was teaching about prophecy, she said, don't use for entertainment that which you know grieves the Holy Spirit. It's a really important thing she said. Don't use for entertainment that which you know grieves the Holy Spirit. And in my personal journey with the Holy Spirit, my mum taught us to pray. She taught us from probably being toddlers. But sadly, mum turned away from her faith until she was about 50. And then she became a faithful believer and a pre-warrior again until her old age. But I believe that because of mum's early prayers and teaching us to pray she opened up the way for my sister and me to receive the Lord. 
And you know, we did that age 10 and 14. And then after that, we prayed for mum, and she came back to the Lord. So when I was 14, I was baptised, and I longed to be sure that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I now know that the Holy Spirit chased after me because my mother prayed in those early years. And he was in me from the time I accepted the Lord. So, you know, James 5.16 says we're to pray for each other because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So, parents, at this moment, just a quick aside, never stop praying for your children. Because when you do, and for your unsaved family members, you open the door for Jesus. You open up the way for the Holy Spirit to come in and touch them. He'll chase them, he'll woo them, he'll catch them. So don't give up praying for those lost family members because they're not lost, they're just not here yet. So how do we pray? Um, sorry, how, check what I was saying. How do we hear from the Holy Spirit? So for me, it's generally via the conventional way, and by that I mean reading the Bible. Okay, I don't have a telephone. Scripture's packed to overflowing with Holy Spirit-inspired truth and wisdom, which we need to read. You know, just a little every day, and let it soak in. Sometimes God's Holy Spirit speaks to me when I'm listening to music, because worship music speaks to my soul. You might have a different way. Um, or he speaks to me in my thoughts. You know that little still small voice, the one that I sometimes ignore until it's too late, and then I wish I'd learned to recognize it better? Oh, God, I didn't hear you, and now I know what you were saying. Too late. Sometimes he drops a spontaneous thought into my mind that I can't ignore. Here's a recent one. On Sunday, the 25th of September last year, at 7 in the evening, just as David was putting our dinner on the table, I said to him, um, darling, sorry, I have to phone my dad. Just, I had this overwhelming knowledge that I had to do it. And the upshot of that was that my dad asked me to come straight over because my mum had had a really bad turn. And later that evening, she, was, she went to hospital by ambulance, and it was a very long evening, and I never did get my dinner. But sadly for us, mum didn't come home. Nine days later, she went to be with the Lord. But God equipped us spiritually and emotionally for all that was to come. And, you know, um, he provided us the resources that we needed and family. He gave us friends to come and stand by us, and he gave us the ability to cope. Beautiful nurses, kindness, friendship, love, and Holy Spirit comfort. He was there from the start on that when he said to me, phone your dad. And here's another example of hearing the Holy Spirit. Some time back, I was having some personal troubles with another family member, and I was very hurt. And I was complaining to God about it, and, and he dropped a word in my spirit. And it felt like an inner audible voice. And this word said, Sharon, I don't need you to be right. I need you to be righteous. And I'm like, what? And it was so clear, and it was so real. And I know it wasn't my imagination, because I wasn't going to actually imagine that up. It's not what I wanted to hear. Okay, I wanted to hear, no, 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 I really understand, Sharon. You really have a rough deal. And that... Word was tied up with scripture, you see, it said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Be a peacemaker, turn the other cheek, and all that annoying stuff. <laughs> and so I knew it was the Holy Spirit, and I had to go home and work through that. And so I started a daily diary, writing things in the diary, pouring out my heart to God at all the difficulties associated with that personal relationship. But surprisingly, I found that part of the problem was me. <laughs> I mean, can you believe that? Really? So my attitude had to change, and I learned to behave differently too and to give each perceived wrong. That's the turning the cheek part. And no matter 
what it was or how hard it seemed, but I became obedient to the Holy Spirit's guiding. And you know what? God has healed that relationship, and it's an important one to me. So I really praise God for that. And um, whenever we think that the Holy Spirit is leading us, we need to ask a simple question. Will my actions or words arising from this align with the Word of God? You see, if we're not sure, we better go and check. The Holy Spirit is the revelator. He opens Scripture to us. He does not rewrite it. He does not contradict it. And he doesn't replace it. The Holy Spirit is our guide. But the Scripture is our confirmation. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So we need to learn to actually hear his voice. Can I have the band up now, please? Ephesians 2 says, We're dead in our transgressions and sins, but God, because of his great mercy, made us alive in Christ. When Ezekiel saw that body of dry bones, it was also a vision of me and a vision of you. And it's only because God has breathed his spirit, his ruach, into us that we are alive today. The vision Ezekiel saw came to fruition at Pentecost, and it continues today in the life of each person who comes to faith in Christ. But the evangelist, Smith Wigglesworth, he said, Pentecost came with the sound of a mighty rushing wind, a violent blast from heaven. Heaven has not exhausted its blasts, but our danger that we're getting frightened of them. We mustn't be. This is when God touches us, and this is when heaven invades earth. So let's invite him in. If you know the Holy Spirit but you're feeling spiritually dry and you need him to lead you back to quiet waters and to restore your soul, I invite you to pray. Ask him in. You're welcome to come forward. You're welcome to um, do it where you are. Let's stand. If you've never encountered the Holy Spirit, you could invite him into prayer or you could stay and ask him. We all need to be part of the army of God, protected and empowered by his amazing, spectacular, life-giving Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. I'd like today to come walk with God's Holy Spirit out of the valley of dry bones and into the abundant life where he can restore your soul.